If you fast forward 15 to 20 years, will you be stronger, healthier, and have more energy to do the things you love? If you answered a resounding yes, that's awesome. Keep it up. If you have your doubts, haven't thought much about it, listen up. It's not too late. No matter what your age, you can choose to have a better future. You can choose to get stronger as you age. Today on the next Simple Step podcast, I'll share with you the power of the 1% rule. James Clear wrote about the 1% rule in Atomic Habits. He said, small differences in performance can lead to very unequal distributions when repeated over time. This is another reason why habits are so important. The people that can do the right things more consistently are more likely to maintain a slight edge and accumulate disproportionate rewards over time. You don't need to be twice as good or get twice the results. You just need to be slightly better. The 1% rule is not merely a reference to the fact that small differences accumulate into significant advantages, but also to the idea that those who are 1% better rule their respective fields. There's no field that's more important than your own personal health and wellness. The 1% rule is just another way of personalizing the law of compound interest. As Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. As interest rates rise, those borrowing money, it costs them more. But those investing money can make more interest on their investment. And in the same way, when you invest in your health and wellness and get 1% better day after day, month after month, year after year, the gains accumulate over time. According to science, your muscles are the strongest when they're 25. Although I can prove science wrong because I know that I'm much stronger now at 41 than I was at 25 or 35 because I'm actually investing in my health and wellness. And two things actually happened around the same time that led to this realization. One, as I approached my 40s and we were in the midst of the COVID pandemic, I realized no one's coming to save us. And this term kept getting thrown around in the news called comorbidities, realizing that the majority of people that got really sick and died had underlying health conditions. It truly was a wake-up call that there are situations we can control and other situations we can't. So while you might not be able to control whether you get COVID or the other C word, cancer, you may get it. But faced with that circumstance, it's better to be in optimal health. It serves to reason that if you're going to get something that affects your health, you want to be in the best condition possible to fight it with everything you've got, to have the best immune system that you can. You know, there are certain circumstances where people have a condition that they've eaten healthy, they've taken care of themselves, and they're just dealt a bad deck of cards. And that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking to the factors that we can control, knowing that we've done everything we can to prolong our health and wellness and our capacity for living a nice and long and healthy life. Because the second event that was really a wake-up call to me was even more personal. It was my mom who died in 2018 from dementia. 
She was only 65 years old. From all the science literature that I've read, there's still a lot we don't know, but it's at least 50% not hereditary. So they don't really know for sure what causes it. But the thing is, they do know that there are a lot of environmental factors, the things we put into our bodies and also how we move and exercise that contribute at least 50% to the onset of things like dementia and Alzheimer's, or the environmental factors that even play a greater role in things like heart disease, because heart disease has been the number one leading cause of death in America since 1950. You know what's changed since 1950? Food science. Our chickens have gotten fatter and plumper, And the quickest way to do that is feed them garbage, give them antibiotics, and serve them down the factory line. Our fruit has gotten a lot sweeter, not naturally, of course, but through chemistry and those mad scientists at food companies. Because when you ultra-process food, it doesn't make it healthier, but it certainly makes it more craveable. Last year on the podcast, I interviewed Mark Schatzker, the author of The End of Craving, who did the research and concluded that when you eat ultra-processed food like chips, you don't get filled in the same way. You overconsume because they're made to crave, but they don't satisfy you. And he used the example of a tomato out of a garden or a piece of rich, dark chocolate that you don't rush to consume, but you savor. You don't binge those the same way you would a bag of Doritos or Little Debbie's Cakes. The food has literally been designed to be overconsumed. Most of us know that chips and cakes are bad for us, but what about the foods that are low fat, low sugar, low calorie? Well, they're actually messing with our brains even worse because... When your brain is fooled into thinking you're consuming something with a certain amount of calories and you're not, like in Diet Coke, for example, your body doesn't metabolize properly and you crave more. In other words, when the brain experiences a nutritive mismatch, it tries to compensate by working harder and seeking more of the item that is triggering the uncertainty. Maybe this year, rather than jump on another fad diet, uh, we get 1% better each week with our food decisions. And that doesn't mean that sometimes you don't have the occasional treat. It just means that the majority of your diet is made up of whole foods, things that come from nature. The science is pretty clear that you need to know what you're eating and the things with labels and the things you can't pronounce are not food. And if you're interested in this subject, I'd highly encourage you to check out my full conversation with author Mark Schatzker. It's labeled Start Eating Healthier, and you can scroll back in the feed or I'll put a link in the show notes. Because if you're anything like me, you really enjoy the idea of continuous improvement. And the reason most diets fail is because you try to change everything all at once and it's untenable. But rather than do that, just ask, what 1% can I change this week with my diet? Maybe that's being more intentional by eating at home more often or spending more time meal prepping for the week ahead before you go grocery shopping. Whatever that 1% would look like for you, it's not overhauling your entire diet or your entire lifestyle, but rather zooming out and saying, if I continue to 
eat this way, will I be stronger and healthier 10, 15 years down the road? Will my family, will I have the energy that I want to have to do the things that I love? And if that's the case, keep it up and continue to improve in other areas, because that's what this podcast is all about, helping you to take the next simple step. And I thank you for sticking around to the end. If I can be a resource to you, if I can encourage you on your journey in taking those next simple steps, whatever it is your goal, feel free to text me the number 559-574-3210. Thank you for listening. I hope you have an incredible year ahead and join me next time on the Next Simple Step podcast. 